The priest who was most influential throughout my serious period of discernment and ultimately in my decision to become a Dominican and to start formation for the priesthood with the Dominicans was arrested shortly after my first year of seminary. He actually went to prison for explicit emails and videos and images that he had exchanged with teenagers. It was and still is one of the greatest pains, greatest causes of anger, frustration, and disgust in my entire life. This past week, a lot of these feelings and emotions have come back as we've seen in the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report, even if you've only seen snippets. It is disgusting and abhorrent, the behavior of some priests and even some bishops toward children, toward the most innocent. It is to be abhorred in every single way. And it is even more hurtful and painful, the malfeasance, negligence, and ineptitude institutionally in dealing with such heinous crimes. We should be mad. We should make demands. We should seek justice. And for what it's worth, as a priest, on behalf of the church, I'm sorry. It makes me angry and upset to the point of tears. I can't imagine what it is like for you as well. And so I'm sorry for that. In the midst of all of this suffering, in the midst of all of this disgustingness, though, we are challenged and, in fact, impelled and required to ask a very important question of ourselves. Why do I remain Catholic? Why do I go to church? Why do I give of my hard-earned money to the church? I know that when this priest fell into disgrace when I was in formation, I had to ask myself, why do I still want to be a priest? Can I overcome my own shortcomings, my own brokenness enough to be a priest and to not hurt people? That's the last thing I want to do. This is an important question, though. This why. And I can't stand up here and tell you exactly why for each and every one of us it's going to be the same answer. Because it's going to be a little different. The nuance is going to be particular to our experience, to our state in life. But I can tell you this. That in my own experience, and if we go all the way back to the experience of St. Augustine in the 4th century, we remain, we persevere, we endure because we recognize that when Christ is first, in our lives, when I sacrifice, when I suffer to serve the Lord, when I put His will ahead of my own, I have greater rest, I have greater peace, I have greater happiness. But when I prioritize what makes me feel good here and now, when I prioritize my ego, my pride, I recognize brokenness. And so I hope it is for all of us a decision to remain, a decision to persevere, because we find in the Lord, and because we find in the church the body of Christ, not the institution of the church, not just those who are in charge, but in each other and in the communion of saints into which we are baptized, happiness, holiness, wholeness. I'd also like to stand up here and offer you a very clear path forward for what the church should and ought to do. 
I unfortunately do not have that. I hope that there's greater accountability, greater transparency, and a greater work, especially among priests and bishops, to create community where we can be vulnerable and challenge one another for the greater glory of God. But I will say this. We all are responsible for the solution. Insofar as each and every moment of our life, we are called to choose Christ and to become saints. This is never an easy task, but it is the only path toward happiness. In the gospel today, we hear this great continuation of the sixth chapter of John, the bread of life discourse, where Jesus gets somewhat graphic as to who and what the Eucharist is. It is his flesh. It is his blood. And this should give us pause for a moment. We should stop and think, what is the Eucharist? How does, some, how does bread and wine become Eucharist? But before we even get to that, how does something become bread? How does a grain of wheat become bread? It is ground down. It loses its essential essence, right? It is changed. It is pulverized. It is then subjected to fire, but in so doing, something better, something greater comes forward. And then it encounters the Holy Spirit and becomes Jesus Christ. This is what happens with bread when it becomes the Eucharist. This is what happens for each and every one of us. That in our desire to follow the Lord, in our desire to be better, we must die a little bit. We must suffer. We must be crushed and pulverized and hurt. But on the other side is that encounter with the Lord. On that other side is the Eucharist. On that other side is truth, beauty, goodness, life eternal. The Eucharist comes to us through the cross. And so we get to the Eucharist through the cross. When I started working on this homily on Monday, I didn't anticipate having it to be such a dark and difficult homily for the first weekend back for our students. But this is the path of discipleship. This is what it means to follow the Lord. I'd be a fool if I told you I understand everything. Those first two readings from Wisdom and uh, St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians challenge us to seek not our own understanding, but God's understanding. And I quite frankly don't understand at this point why the Lord put this in front of us at this juncture and time. Other than to say this, this is the path of discipleship. It is never easy. But the Lord shows us the way and nourishes us. And we have, at this point, wherever we are, if we're starting our time here at IU, if we're nearing the end of our life here on earth, we have the choice to make the decision for Christ. To say yes to the Lord. To say yes to the Eucharist. To eat the true food and drink the true drink. As St. Paul said in that second reading, we can drink wine that'll lead to debauchery. That'll lead to temporary pleasure. Or we can come to Mass. We can prioritize our preparation for Mass throughout the week so that when we encounter the Lord in the Eucharist, we encounter and drink life eternal. The church is a better place because of you. The church needs you. I, as a priest, need you. We need each other. It's not easy, but 
God himself feeds us, not in some distant, far-off way, but literally and physically when we come to Mass. The Lord loves us so much that he offers us life eternal. The Lord suffers so that we might live. I hope and pray that I'll never have to give a homily about such a terrible topic ever again. I hope and pray that each one of us will use this as an opportunity to seek after holiness, to drive out sin, to drive out brokenness in our own personal lives, so that together we can build up a greater church and the great kingdom of God.